Hello, everyone. My name is Sophia, and welcome back to Project Oyster, a podcast aiming to destigmatize mental health through storytelling. I'm so excited to be here today recording our very first episode of Project Oyster that will feature college students across the U.S. in addition to the continuation of episodes at Gunn High School. Our first guest today is Cecilia Lim, a current freshman at the Gallatin School of Individualized Study at NYU, pursuing a concentration in psychology, public health, Asian American studies, and music. She was an oboist and ultimate frisbee player from Westboro, Massachusetts, and she's a part of the acapella group NYU Act part of an acapella group, NYU Active Minds, and virtually involved with the MIT Wind Ensemble. So Cecilia, how are you doing today and how are you feeling for our episode? Thank you so much for the intro. I'm pretty well. How are you? I'm good. A little tired because I usually, we're recording this at 9 a.m. Pacific time and I usually don't get up until like 10.30. Um, so hopefully my voice is okay. But yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. A little nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, don't be. I you have a lot of very good things to say and I think your story will be able to reach a lot of students cuz I think there are elements of your story that can um almost reach everyone. So yeah. Um <laughs> I think it will. So to give everyone kind of a quick overview of what you will be sharing with us today, like a very brief overview. Your mental health journey started in high school and it's been a long process of growing to get to where you are here today to be able to Um, feel comfortable talking on a podcast with me and to be open about your journey. So could you kind of start from the beginning, whatever that means to you, and elaborate on how you appeared, how you appeared to others in high school, in contrast to how you were feeling on the inside and dealing with what you were dealing with? Yeah, sure. So um, I became depressed the summer before my freshman year of high school. And throughout high school, I really struggled with depression and anxiety and also an eating disorder. And that really stemmed, I think, from the sexual abuse that I experienced when I was four and seven. And that kind of created trauma that manifested itself um, in my depression, anxiety later, later on in high school. And so it was a really uh, rough time for me in high school. Um, but eventually, um, I really like try to get help. And now in college, I do feel like I'm on like the journey to healing, um, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So when you were in high school, you mentioned in your outline to us that the way you appeared to others, for example, on the outside, being a very studious student who was involved in a lot of extracurriculars, Um, That was kind of almost a facade, I guess, for how you were feeling on the inside. For example, struggling with, you said, depression um, and eating disorder and among other things like that. So how were you able to hide that from people? And for what reason did you kind of choose to do that? Yeah, so I think my freshman year when I first became depressed, I definitely was not good at hiding it. And um, the change was pretty drastic. So I think it might have been noticeable. um, But it kind of just seemed like it was because of the transition to high school. You know, my grades dropped because I could study because I didn't have the motivation. And um, I was binge eating at night and um, I stopped talking to a lot of people, but also it looked natural because social groups naturally like shift in high school. So I think a lot of that kind of went unnoticed. Um, But as the years progressed, my depression, I thought it was getting better Uh, But really, I think I just got better at hiding it. And I was really scared to come forward about it because um, really like the stigma. And also, I'm Korean American and there's an even greater stigma against mental health and getting help um, in the Korean community. And so it was really hard for me to get help. 
So at any point when you were struggling with these things, for example, in your earlier years of high school, did you ever tell anyone at all or did anyone ever approach you? Because you said that from the outside, maybe your freshman year, um, it was a little more obvious for people to be able to maybe pinpoint like, oh, maybe she is struggling with something. So did anyone ever find out during that point of your life? Yeah, actually, um, my second semester of freshman year, I had this like mandatory health course and my health teacher was going over like the mental health unit about depression and suicide. And I realized I was like, oh, like, yeah, I'm definitely depressed. I'm definitely suicidal. Um, and she kept emphasizing to tell a trusted adult about it. And so I actually did go forward. I went to her class during lunch once and I like pulled out my chicken nuggets and I was like, hi, <laughs> I'm going to tell you I'm like struggling with depression. And um, she connected me to like the guidance counseling um, office at my school. And they connected me with someone who just, um, it just like didn't work out with me. You know, they always say that you have to go through a law therapist to find like the person who's the right fit for you. And she just for wasn't. Sure. Um, so yeah, I did receive help then. It didn't really work. I did meet like therapists. Um, I met with a therapist in my sophomore year and like half of junior year. It didn't really work out. Um, and yeah, I I think like you asked if like other people had noticed. Um, probably, but they probably didn't know what to do and like felt like out of place to go like, oh, like, you know, like I think you need help or whatever because – yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's typically something people think of doing. Mm -hmm. Actually, looking back now um, at the time, do you think it would have been helpful to you if someone did reach out and volunteer to help you? Or do you think that would have actually been more hurtful in some ways? Um, I think maybe my immediate reaction wouldn't have been very good. Like I might have like been offended or something. But honestly, like um, I think that would have been a lot like very helpful, you know, because um, I think a lot of the times I felt like I was just like damsel in distress and kind of like wanted mm -hmm. to be because, you know, society tends to portray women like that and like media and like, you know, TV and things like that. And I grew up watching Korean dramas. And mm -hmm. um, now I've heard like Korean dramas are becoming a lot more progressive. But when I was younger, there were a lot of roles where um, the girl was always um, the person who had to be saved by the guy. And so I kind of felt like this damsel of distress and I kind of put it on myself as well. And so I definitely did want help and wanted someone to help me, but maybe like not in like the most effective way, if you know what I mean. Like I wanted some guy to like save me or something. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Like media portrayal of women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned specifically being like Korean American and how that affected you and your mental health. And for me, that's something that's very relatable. Like as an Asian American dealing with mental health, it's just so much more stigmatized in our culture, um, which is just a product of, yeah, old traditions and where our parents came from. But if you don't mind, could you elaborate a little more on how that affected you? The stigma sure. from your culture, as well as um, if you want to, after that, talk about stigma from your school. Like, what was your school community like in terms of yeah, mental health? Sure. Um, so, my mom, um, so we're Korean American and we go to a Korean American church. And so she meets like a lot of Korean ladies from that church. And I always hear them like gossiping. And my freshman year, a friend of mine actually died by suicide. And I remember them talking about her and like the way that they were talking about her, like saying things like, oh, I bet it was like a guy, like she was a, like, and it just, I really hated listening to that. And I didn't want to just end up becoming some gossip. And, um, 
it wasn't just with that suicide, but also with a friend who ended up being hospitalized, like the way that you talked about her. I was so scared of getting, like if I came forward and told someone I was depressed and suicidal, that I would end up getting hospitalized and like people would talk about me in that way. And um, I was afraid that my mom wouldn't be able to understand or like, um, I think there was also like a generational disconnect between my mom and my, my mom and I, because she grew up in a time where like Korea was going through like, economically just not doing well and so everyone was depressed and me like coming forward and going like oh my god I'm depressed like it just seemed like such like a minuscule thing I think and yeah, so it's they, like you're not like, special <laughs> like everyone right it's that. like um my mother grew up in like wartime and like my mom grew up in a time where the country was so poor they had to cut newspapers to like use as toilet paper like you know like mm-hmm. I'm depressed isn't really gonna cut it so yeah so I it's like who like Who's to say that my issues matter at all if right. that happened to my parents? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely that disconnect as well. Yeah. So I actually, um, that's something I'm learning from the first time in terms of you telling me that when you were younger, there were instances where there were people you knew who did face mental health issues, for example, um, suicide, or you said hospitalization. So outside of um, did you say that the effect that those instances had on you were just that they made you even more scared to talk about anything with your mom because you were scared of, um, you know, her, yeah, turning into gossip, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. I just like from that I sense that there was no understanding and that's kind of what I would be met with if I did come forward about this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it did those instant- kind of- oh, go oh, ahead. <laughs> it definitely did silence it more, I think. Mm-hmm. And did those instances happen to you like at around what age? Um, so my freshman year of high school. Yeah. So when I first became depressed. I see. Yeah. So I can imagine how that could be really unhelpful in terms of right. you accessing health. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what exactly was the culture of dealing with mental health at your school? Like, was it something that was ever talked about or did your school... Um, like, you know, was there any history of mental health issues, anything like that? Um, I think that uh, my school is like now in the process of taking taking more initiative with mental health. Um, I think there are a lot of great resources at my school um, that people don't really take advantage of because they're like, I think it really is a stigma. Um, but I was really fortunate that I eventually found a guidance counselor that I really connected with for my school, and she really helped me a lot through my junior year, my senior year of high school. Um, and also, I had great teachers who were always there to like listen. And there's also, um, I was able to receive DBT at my school because they offered that. And um, there was this CSS um, Center for Student Success, and there were social workers there. So there were a lot of really great programs, in my opinion. But I think a lot of people are too scared or like don't know about them and don't really take advantage of them. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, before I we kind of go into the next section of this episode, which is like you just mentioned, talking about how you recovered and how you were able to finally connect with the guidance counselor who was able to help you. Did your um, so we talked about your parents and we talked about teachers, but what about your friends? Like at any point during this journey, did they find out about this? Or if they listen to this episode, will that be the first time that they hear that you've struggled with um, depression and et cetera? Yeah. Um, so my friends do know now, but it definitely took a long time for me to tell my friends. And in fact, um, I remember, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year when I told 
a friend, um, they didn't really validate my depression. They're like, oh, that's not depression. That's not an eating disorder. And um, that's not the first person who has done that. There are people who have done that. And that's obviously not helpful. But I think that's something you may face in the future. And you kind of um, have to accept that that's how people are sometimes. But it really comes from like not being educated on mental illness. And so, yeah, I think that's why advocacy is so important and awareness is so important. Yeah, um, and that's why it's so important for people like you to share your story because right, you know, yeah. it helps destigmatize it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned it a little bit already, but um, when was it that you, so you mentioned in your freshman year that you actually went to a guidance counselor and, you know, it failed a couple of times in terms of trying to find you the right match. But how were you able to persevere through that? Because I can imagine how hurtful it can be or discouraging it could be right. to not um, find someone immediately. Um, and yeah, how were you able to let yourself grow past what you had faced and deal with? Um, honestly, <laughs> I I feel like I went through so many phases of like, oh, like right now I, I like really need to get my life together. I need to go get help. And then that would kind of fade and it would never really turn into action. And there were several times that that happened. And even now, like I can say that I'm on like I don't know, like I'm still, um, I'm currently meeting with a therapist through um, NYU Student Health, but I'm not connected to a long-term therapist yet. So I'm still in the process. And it is really discouraging because um, it's really hard to find a therapist. And especially being in New York um, with Massachusetts health insurance, it's really fine to find someone who, it's really hard to find someone who covers my insurance. So it's been a real challenge. Uh, but having someone there with me, like, um, help me. My counselor at NYU Student Health has really been like pushy about it and like contacting places for me. So that's been really helpful. And yeah, I think it's just like accepting like I don't want to deal with this like forever. Like, you know, I want to um, make change and like live a better life and just taking initiative on your own, which is really hard. Um, and it might take a few tries, but I think if you just keep going, it will get better and you will find help. Yeah. So that realization of I don't want to live my life like this, kind of like that. Was that a very gradual process? Um, or was there a moment in your high school career that you were like, wait a second, <laughs> maybe I should try it again? Yeah, um, I think I'd say it was pretty gradual in the sense that it happened a few times. And it each time I felt like I maybe took like a step or two forward and then kind of stopped there or maybe took another step back. But like slowly, I think I made my way towards that. And also in high school, I didn't really... I wasn't really like a mental health advocate because I didn't believe that it was really helpful. In fact, when I met with my therapist um, my sophomore year, immediately she was like, I think you should be on medications. And I was like, no way. Like I was I was so against all that. And like when my doctor was like, oh, you should go to an eating disorder clinic. I was like, no way I'm doing that. Like I'm a normal person. And it really was like the stigma and also the lack of understanding how these resources could help me because the stigma just kind of prevents you from even exploring that option. And so um, once I did do my research and understood more about antidepressants and eating disorder clinics and hospitalizations, I felt more open to those resources and realized, oh, those could actually be really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so kind of moving on, I know that obviously we are in a global pandemic and that has affected everyone's mental health in a different way. So by the time that the pandemic hit, were you already kind of making um, pretty good progress towards improving your mental health or did that affect you negatively or positively even? Um, definitely both. Um, so when the pandemic first hit, 
it hit my um, eating disorder the hardest, I think, because suddenly I was around food like 24-7 while in my house and like it felt like a constant battle with my pantry and my family didn't really understand my eating disorder, so they would have all these trigger foods around and it was really stressful for me. Um, and so I, uh, my eating disorder is bulimia, which is basically cycles of restrictive eating and then binge eating and then purging, or that's, um, that's in my case with uh, my eating disorder. Uh, but so yeah, I was purging a ton and it was really hard. Um, and I would like obsessively like work out and it just wasn't good. Um, and that was kind of like the negative aspect of it. I think it did get better. Uh, but one positive aspect was that I did get a lot closer with my family because um, my eating disorder, my depression definitely took a toll on my relationships. And so I think over quarantine, I was able to kind of um, improve those relationships and really work on them. Mm-hmm. So in terms of dealing with, because you mentioned specifically your eating disorder during the pandemic, who was it you yourself who were was able to kind of pull you out of that and improve slowly or did you have aid from for example a counselor at your school who was able to talk through that with you yeah so I wasn't really connected to help at that time so I kind of just looked up a lot of stuff about eating disorders and like how to improve it and um, over time I think my first goal was like to stop purging and so I um, that kind of decreased. And then eventually I met with a nutritionist at NYU and she really helped me with my eating disorder. And now it's a lot better. And yeah, I've been practicing intuitive eating. And so it's been really great. Mm-hmm. So on that note, how was the transition to college for you? Because you did mention in your outline to us that being at college has really improved your mental health in a variety of different ways. So could you talk a little bit about maybe even just like the social aspect of that, but as well as when you first came to college, because, you know, college is like a blank slate for everyone. Like no one knows that, oh, maybe you were a person who struggled with mental health in high school. So how are you able to kind of come to college and then be able to and be ready to talk to counselors or, for example, a nutritionist and be honest about um, the difficulties and mental health issues that you faced? Yeah. Um, So I think the email might have been kind of sugarcoated because it hasn't improved my mental health drastically. It's definitely still a process. Um, But yeah, as soon as I came to campus, I was like, I need to meet with a counselor. I need to meet with a nutritionist. Or I met with a counselor and then she connected me with a nutritionist. I think it definitely helped um, with my confidence and my anxiety the most um, because I grew up in white suburbia and oftentimes it didn't really feel like I had like a place in the community. And in fact, I was like too scared to like raise my hand in class most of the time. Um, My teacher who was like five feet away from me, like couldn't hear me because I was so shy and so quiet. And so I think being at NYU and um, thanks to Zoom University, like I've been able to participate more and just say what's on my mind and just have like a more um, enjoyable academic experience. Um, So yeah, that's definitely been a benefit. And also because like the university is so diverse, so liberal, I think that's really helped me um, with my identity. Have you felt that uh, mental health is almost less stigmatized um, here, like at, in college than it was in high school? Or do you still feel similarly? Um, I think I am like more open about it. Um, I don't know if it's anything to do with like college versus high school or like, I'm not sure if it has to really do with that or if I'm just like more ready to be more open about it. Um, but yeah, I am able to just have like, be more honest about it in general. Um, but I think it is like hard for people to admit these days that they are struggling 
um, because at least like with my grade, like now that we're entering college, I feel like everyone finds the need to be like, oh, like I'm thriving in college now. Like I'm having a great time. And um, yeah, like that definitely wasn't the case for me. Like I had a very rough time, to be honest. And I think it's very hard for people to admit to that, that like, yeah, it's, you know, like we're in a pandemic. It's difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure many people can relate to kind of what you shared about when you're in high school, but also what you're talking about now in terms of being um, scared of sharing their struggles because of stigmatization. And like you said, um, our current grade entering, yeah, wanting to prove like, oh, I'm having such a good time um, in this new environment. But have you found it positive at all, like to be able to talk about your struggles and what motivated you to share your story with us today? Um. I guess specifically, I wanted people to people who know me personally to like hear about my story because I think a lot of people don't know about these struggles that I faced. And I haven't been very outspoken about mental health, particularly in my high school community. Um, additionally, I, I just want like anyone who's able to connect with this to just feel that they're not alone and um, anyone goes through these struggles. Um, and yeah, just to help with the destigmatization, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally, are there any words of, of ad, words of advice that you would give to anyone going through any kind of similar situation as you did yourself? Or is there anything that else that you would like to share or say right now that um, my questions didn't address earlier? Yeah, I think a lot of the times, um, a lot of the time I felt like um, getting help was kind of slowing me down. Like I was like, oh, I don't have time to like like meet with a therapist or like get help for myself like first of all like that doesn't work or like I had some stigma against it and second like I was like I have all this work to do like how am I going to find time to do that um in the end I think um you're able to do your work a lot more efficiently if you are healthy um so take care of it and also it would just get worse and like you'll have like you'll have to spend much more time later dealing with it. Um, I think it's better to anticipate the problem and take like preventative measures instead of responding to it and having this huge problem that you have to deal with. Because um, I kind of feel like I'm in that situation now because I ignored it for so long. Um, but um, I think it is better now than later. So yeah, definitely get help as soon as you can. Okay, thank you for your wonderful advice. Um, and thank you so much for just being so open and willing to share your story with us today, because I know how hard that can be, especially if you grew up in a, um, a stigmatized neighborhood and a stigmatized culture. And of course, thank you to our audience for tuning in. The team here at Project Oyster would like to thank you, um, everyone, for the support, whether you're new here or not, as our podcast is going through a little bit of a transition period right now. If you are a college or high school student from anywhere across the US or even the world and have a mental health story you'd like to share, please feel free to DM us on Instagram at Project Oyster or email us at studio.projectoyster at gmail.com. To learn more about Project Oyster and our mission, feel free to visit our website at studioprojectoyster.com. Once again, thank you so much, Cecilia, for coming in. Thank you to our audience for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.